Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. From the team that brought you the award-winning show Retro Replay and the Emmy-nominated comedy series Con Man comes a new idea just crazy enough to be good. Introducing Couch Soup. I know, I know, you're probably wondering, what is Couch Soup? Well, Couch Soup is content for your hungry nerd soul. Daily articles from fans, not pundits. Weekly podcasts that contain a multiverse of opinions on all things pop culture. Exclusive videos and weekly live streams where we laugh, scream, and sometimes have technical difficulties. All created by folks like you, the gamers, the film nerds, the TV bingers, comic book lovers, bookworms, and pop culture enthusiasts, all in one giant bowl of beautiful, disgusting, soupy goodness at CouchSoup.com. We're back for the last time for the foreseeable future, which is, you know, very sad. We really enjoy this. So, so know. much. But all good things must come to an end for now. We'll be back for season two. So for now. You know, don't be afraid. Uh, but yes, this is us. This is the rest of us crew. Uh, we are not looking at the episodes weekly because it's ended. <laughs> But Erica came up with a brilliant idea, and now we're going to do that. So, you know, I'm just going to give Erica the place uh, to uh-huh. tell you guys what's going to happen. So my idea was to see if the Last of Us series, well, season one, works better as a bingeable series or if it worked better as the episode by episode week by week so we all decided we're gonna binge watch it and put together some notes generalizations and some ideas as to what we think worked best for the series and then we're gonna give it an entire overarching rank of what we thought we could do it a bit differently than what we did uh why we did the week by week episodes um so Basically, we're all going to get like a good 10 minutes uh, to talk about our experience binge-watching it. So expect like a video essay kind of thing happening. And uh, we are going to start right now, starting with Erica. Erica, the space is yours. So I I really love binge-watching content. It is the type of thing that my ADHD hyper-focuses on. If I see a series come out that's like week to week, I'm actually kind of put off until the whole season comes out. Depends on the series and who's in it. Um, But we, so when I suggested we do this binge watch, I was really excited to binge watch it later um, because that's the kind of, that's how I like to intake my content. Uh, Binge watching the whole thing, unlike some of the other things, I really enjoyed it. I... I appreciated having the episodes back to back with very little in between to where the story kind of felt to me like it was flowing almost like 
in the game. I wanted, I, when I played the game, I sat down and played it for hours and hours and hours and hours at a time. I think I finished one of my playthroughs in like two, three days. Um, and that's what I did with the show in kind of like the same format of binging it. I had a villain arc <laughs> to where I didn't have terribly any issues with the lack of infected or other things. But within the binging and the things people have said, this one line that people have said have stuck with me, there feels like no threat. Now, people online are going to be like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like all action. We can have, you know, all of the story. It works fine. It's like, okay, but where is the threat to where Ellie's sacrifice feels necessary? It's not there. It is in the game, but it's not in the show. There are no instances watching through the whole thing where I felt super threatened by infected except for the horde scene and a little bit in the second episode. But after that, they kind of disappear. Um, so in my binge watching, I felt I felt more emotionally connected to the characters, but it didn't feel like the ends justified the means. Because there was no threat to these things. There were some really cool things that, that were noticed too, especially some other people online with Joel's deafness, which I know some of us had a bit of an issue with because it was made as a prominent detail and then kind of forgotten about. Um, with binge watches like these, I find it fun to uh, catch continuity and other things and other people online caught this as well with Joel's deafness to where... After the Sam and Henry stuff uh, where he was laying on his non-deaf ear, um, Ellie was staying constant by his uh, by his non-deaf side. Um, so in other shots, you'll see her on, I forget if it's the right or the left, so his non-deaf side, so he would be able to hear her. And it happened all throughout the show and when uh, we come across like the David episodes where he's he's lying there, sometimes she will be sitting on his deaf side, but she will be leaning over his body to make sure that he can actually hear her with his non-going deaf ear. Um, so I appreciated seeing those little continuity things continuing forward that I had just kind of forgotten about and thought they didn't do anything with. That's what I appreciate most about binge watching is catching things like that. As for some of the filler episodes, I did not have too much of a problem with them. I did feel really sad about not having the DLC, really the fullness of the DLC. It did feel kind of empty, even though I really enjoyed the episode and how perfect it was to like what they did take from the game was pretty much shot for shot. Absolutely perfect. But it it did. It felt a little bit empty to where I was like, it's it's missing something. And it was missing the flash back and forth to Ellie trying to get all of these things for Joel to help stitch him up, help him feel better. Um, so that did feel a little empty. I really did enjoy binging it more. Obviously, they're not going to change their format to like just, hey, we're going to release season two, part two, all in one, because it's not something they're going to do because of this whole week by week, the massive amount of views that they get and the money that they get, but also the sense of community. Us three here seriously enjoy talking to each other week by week. We have a little group chat on the side where we just will send stuff to each other, talk to them about it. It feels a little bit like the old Game of Thrones days to where the, the episodes came out, you had little parties, made content. Like it was just, it was one of the greatest times in television history, in my opinion. Before season eight, which was seriously lucky, but moving on, it was really nice having these conversations and 
it opened my mind to some of the things that like I was feeling, but my brain couldn't quite articulate, which Nick did several times through his podcast where you can see my face just going, yeah, that. And that's what, that's what I've loved about this week by week, but I also prefer binge watching, <laughs> but I really enjoyed the opportunity to do both and solidify my thoughts and feelings. Episode one is still my most favorite episode. Just so chef's kiss perfect. So all in all, I'm going to give the series an eight out of 10 because I severely loved it. And I'm excited to see the improvements for season two. Nick, it's your turn now. Let's hear it. Watching the series uh, weekly was uh, was certainly experience was certainly an experience. And now that it's all sort of available and we can binge watch it, uh, that was really, really different for me. It felt like almost felt like a different show. It was very, very strange. One of the first things I noticed was that it flowed a lot easier. Um, there were a lot of, you know, episode moments that kind of felt, uh, I don't want to say disjointed, but when you're waiting a week to see what happens next, you're kind of, you have this anticipation for what's coming next. And that can either be exemplified or it can kind of die down a little bit. And then the experience you get from the next episode can feel a little bit uh, imbalanced. Uh, specifically the sort of jump from episode one to episode two, um, I felt like just flowed so much better because it's at that point you're seeing them run out into Boston and when you can immediately watch the next episode, it's like, cool, I want more. I want more instead of having to now wait after that amazing first episode. Something I kind of bitched about quite a bit over, um, the series is that there were a lot of moments that I felt like were rushed. There were a lot of, uh, you know, key moments that I felt like were just glossed over and they just did them super quickly i'll nitpick this moment again but in episode one where joel and ellie meet for the first time and joel sees marlene that is like a pretty crucial scene in the game and in the series and that scene felt like it was like joel walking into the room seeing ellie then he sees marlene and he's like what are you guys doing and marlene's like i need her smuggled and then she's like i've got a battery for you and joel's like okay we'll do it and it was like this super quick scene and it didn't really make much sense. There wasn't really any stakes there or any kind of tension. Um, so kind of seeing that roll straight into episode two kind of felt like it was telling a story at like a quicker pace, uh, which made a little bit more sense. And then, you know, without the breakup of a week between episode one and episode two, I felt like that kind of made a little bit more sense. And there were a couple of moments like that throughout the series that I felt like these moments were rushed through really quickly, but the story's kind of moving along, along really quickly. Uh, so I enjoyed that kind of flow and that change. Don't fuck this up. Please. And thinking about The Last of Us, it's nine episodes. We've been talking about this show for just over two months, um, which is interesting. You know, if it was released all at once, we'd maybe be talking about it for two weeks. You know, like it would depend on how quickly people finish the series and things. But I felt like it kind of strengthened the 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 public opinion of the show because we were talking about it for so long instead of it just being like, cool, it's done. You know, I remember sort of like Stranger Things season three coming out and all of it came out right away. And I think I watched it in one go. Huge Stranger Things fan. Um, but that that whole thing was done after one weekend, you know, like it was cool. Let's move on with our life. But The Last of Us stuck with us for a while. Um, and I think that that helped with a lot of people. And I think specifically people new to the show who didn't know what was coming next. It was like, 
I've got to wait a week to see what happens next. There's a specific few moments that I think really, really were strengthened by the fact that it, you had to wait a week, like seeing what happened to Sam and Henry uh, in episode six, I believe that was, no, five, episode five, uh, seeing what happened to them. And then you got to wait a week to see what happens next. Like that was brutal. And to have to wait to see what happens next. I'm sure if you didn't know what, like what was going to happen next in the story, it must've been devastating to wait for. So those kinds of moments, I feel like um, it, it did, it does strengthen it to, um, to have to wait, but it is also kind of pretty poignant to immediately go on with it. You know, one thing I noted as well was like um, in the game where Ellie defeats David, uh, she like takes that that machete and just pounds his head in and immediately that like it cuts to black and then immediately it, it cuts back in and you're in Salt Lake City and you've got to keep going on with the game because and, and I feel like that works. It's got this sort of narrative resonance because Ellie and Joel, they have to keep going. They don't have time to just chill. Um, so I think binge watching this also kind of makes sense uh, to that extent as well. Um, one thing I did say, and I'm going to go into like the more sort of bad stuff now. One thing I did, I do have to say is the filler episodes, I really, they were a lot more annoying for me this time around. Um, so Bill and Frank's episode is still a beautiful episode. It's amazing, but it's largely unimportant. You know, I, I going through it the second time, I was thinking, I love this episode. It's beautiful, but like, I'm just trying to get through the series now. It really, it really doesn't mean too much to the story at large. And then the thing that I've that I've really changed my mind on is uh, episode seven, uh, Left Behind, the DLC. I'm sorry, but I hate it. Going through it the second time now, I hate it. It is such a pointless episode. And Riley is just, I mean, the actress did a great job and everything, but it's, it's just such an annoying character. All they do is just stop and talk and stop and talk and stop and talk. And it leads to like, one little infected chase that and and that came right after the moment where joel got stabbed all i care about is seeing if joel's gonna be okay and i've got to spend 45 minutes with with riley and ellie whose relationship does not ever get any further than that episode it felt so pointless and i hate it it's not a bad 45 minutes of television but i hated it i just wanted to skip it honestly another thing that stood out was what lily's been bitching about the entire series is the lack of action, the lack of infected was so much more uh, noticeable binge watching it. And I actually like was paying attention to this. We only ever see infected in episode one, uh, where you obviously got the outbreak, but then we only ever see them again in Boston with Tess and in Kansas City. We don't see them anywhere else. Ellie's mom does get chased by an infected, but that could also be in Boston, but we don't see any of them in Jackson or Colorado, or Salt Lake City. So it very much feels like, yeah, sure, you're trying to say, you know, that we've got to get Ellie to the Fireflies to make this vaccine to save everyone. But what are they trying to save everyone from? There's no infected around. This isn't dangerous at all. And one thing I think really could have strengthened the show is just when you're doing a scene, it doesn't have to be action sequences, but have a scene where like Joel's removing the knife from a clicker's head. And then he says, we have to keep moving. Then you can do the scene as it is in the show. Just show us the threat. It's something I said in one of the other episodes. The reason Jaws is scary is because you don't always see the shark, but you see the shark fin. So it doesn't have to be attacking you all the time, but it needs to be there. Uh, so that's a big thing for me. Overall, though, I still really enjoyed the series. I, I initially was going to give it a 9 out of 10, 
but rewatching it and finding the lack of action and infected annoying and those filler episodes annoying left behind. I'm so sorry, but it's it's I hate it now. Um, it's not a, like I said, it's not a terrible episode or anything. I think I gave it a seven out of ten. I'd probably give it like a six out of ten. Now it's still it's nice, but it just wasted so much time. I really really didn't like it. Uh, so it kind of downgraded my review of the whole series. So I give it an eight out of ten for everything. It it was still really enjoyable, but I think there's 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 definitely a lack of potential, um, or opportunities missed in the series. Uh, and then favorite episodes definitely has to be episode one, uh, which was just incredible, and uh, episode eight. I really like what they did with David. How did you put it? <gasps> Tiny pieces. And that episode just, I loved it. So episode one and eight, my favorites, and eight out of ten. It's time for my uh, end of the review uh, after binge-watching the series. I'm going to read most of it, so, you know, it's going to sound different than Erica's and, and Nick's because they are just great and they can do it just like that. <laughs> and I can't. <laughs> so bear with me. All right, where to begin? The Last of Us. A game that proved once and for all that games are not only about violence and blood and gore, but they are incredibly complex stories with a deep look into human emotions at their core. I think it was inevitable to get an adaptation available for even more people at one point or another. The first thing that came to mind as I was binging the series was saying a big thank you to the creators for choosing to adapt it into a series instead of a movie. Putting Ellie and Joel's journey into a single movie or possibly a trilogy would have been a big mistake. Mostly because of the time limit that it would have given them, but also because of the amount of things uh, they would have been forced to leave out. However, the series was also something they shot themselves in the leg with. In the game score is the relationship that builds up between Joel and Ellie as they try to get to the Fireflies. All the people they meet along the way, all the dangerous situations they get in, are building up and serving the father-daughter bond everyone loves so much about this game. We had plenty of interviews from Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann where they said they wanted to focus on this and even expand on it. While it worked in some cases, I think it was a miss altogether and it becomes incredibly clear after the binge watch. The first two episodes are perfect examples of how you can adapt something that is loved by many in a faithful way while also giving your own flavor to it. That cold open with John Hunter is still one of my favorite edit parts because it immediately brings in this incredibly unsettling feeling, this dread and fear gamers all experience while playing the game. They have found the perfect way to introduce how incredibly dangerous of a threat the fungi infection is once it is able to spread to humans just by talking about it, really. So if that happens... We lose. And then we tune into the fateful day, all told from the point of view of Sarah, slowly dropping in the hints that it had started to happen, sneaking in one of the most haunting scenes in the process, 
looking at you, old lady, Sarah's dad becomes even more heartbreaking, which was incredibly hard to pull off, but the creators made sure to get it right. From the outbreak day to the 20-year time jump, this series does a beautiful job introducing the setting, the characters, and the bigger picture of it all. I still stand by my original thought that the first episode is nearly flawless and successfully opens up this world for the bigger audience. They carry this over to episode 2, but it is also the episode where the crack in the machine shows up. They instantly start explaining why we won't see many infected. They came up with these new rules like the hive mind that they completely forgot about by the end. Uh, They made it seem like the infected were afraid of the sun. And while you had an intense experience in Boston when you played the game, the series toned it down heavily. Funnily enough, in this same episode, they managed to put in one of the most terrifying scenes with the clickers in the museum. It was exactly the horror survival situation from the game I loved. And honestly, what I would have expected if I haven't played the games too. Thanks to the first episode's first 40 minutes and episode 2's cold open. However, the infected nearly fully disappear after this. And although this is still the main issue of the series, uh, with this binge watch, I discovered new ones. The series and the game is about Joel and Ellie, right? Well, you kind of forget with episode 3, 4, 5 and then 7. While I once again sobbed through episode 3 watching Frank and Bill's beautiful love story, but... But... It felt out of place completely. It also made me wonder if it was this easy for Bill to barricade himself and get into any major trouble. Are the infected really a threat? We see one approaching his safe haven, gets taken out instantly, and then we get a bunch of raiders years later. That's it. They literally lived in constant peace. Bill had a huge effect on Joel and Ellie in the game, here? Not really. And then episode 4 and 5. I love Jeffrey and I love Melanie, but honestly, putting in these two new characters once again took the focus away from Joel and Ellie completely. And sure, Caitlin's story arc have huge implications for the second game and season 2, but it didn't give any plus to what we are watching right now. It also didn't add much to Henry and Sam. In the game, Henry and Sam are in the same shoes as Joel and Ellie. They go through the wrong town with awful people in it, and a man needs to protect his little brother from any danger. They were the perfect mirror for Joel. And my days, I still can't get over how perfect the sewer scene could have been. We still got the greatest infected action in the end with serious strain to Busan wives. Episode 6 was great on the bonding part between Joel and Ellie and served as the best emotional episode for them, but that university scene remains laughable for me, yes, even after the binge watch. At this point, it was also glaringly obvious that uh, the series was so focused on the character building that they forgot one of their main elements, which was the action and the horror. Uh, If it weren't for episode five, uh, I think I would have forgotten that this was a series with 
been infected and endangering the world, basically. Episode 7 pulled the pace back so heavily that I nearly fell asleep. They missed a big chance by leaving out the other part of the DLC, where Ellie goes to look for a first aid kit for Joel. This storyline definitely didn't need an entire episode. Also, I couldn't have but chuckle when that one infected showed up. It wasn't scary, as at this point the series lost all the feel of threat and danger that it so beautifully built up in the first two episodes. The David episode hammered in hard how Joel no longer looks at Ellie as just cargo, but they decided to spend some extra minutes on it in the season finale as well. I still stand by my original thought about the end. They set up Joel as someone who's in the age where he struggles, not the same as he was, panic attacks, etc. In the game, Tommy agreed to take over Ellie because he saw that Joel was forming a dangerously close bond with her that could burn him in the end. I need to talk to you. In here, he did it because Joel backed him because he wasn't the same. You're younger than me, you're still strong, you said it yourself, you'll come back. And let me tell you, the two things are not the same. Yet, we should believe that after all the softness we saw from him and all the struggle he had, he entered John Wick mode and easily took out an entire hospital floor. I once again found myself not being able to get on board with it. I still think that they they did a great job uh, with a lot of things, but I just pointed out all the mistakes that I noticed uh, with this binge watch. Uh, so I I will go with a seven and a half out of ten. Yeah. In one or two sentence, what do you expect from season two? Nick, you go first. What I expect, or I don't know what I expect. I, what I expect. I mean, I expect them to do kind of the same as what they did with season one, where they're gonna largely follow the same story. Um, I do expect them to 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 give us a little bit more action, a little bit more infected. I don't see them skimping on that as much as they did in season one. I think they will listen to the audience. In terms of what I'd like to see, you know, we briefly discussed now. Um, how The Last of Us Part Two was controversial and there was a lot of people who were upset about it. I really hope that the creators of the series have the balls to say, we're going to make it like the mm-hmm. game is. We're not going to mm-hmm. we're not going to be scared of what people might say about things like that. Um, and I would love to see the brutality, the, the hatred, because the first game is all about uh, love and enduring and all that kind of stuff. The second game is all about hate and vengeance revenge so i hope that they really really hammer down on um the hatred and the brutality and everything like that one thing i would also love to see a quick little mention is abby i cannot wait to see abby i think she's an awesome character i hope that she is just as jacked as she is in the game Mm -hmm. because that is a specimen of a woman she is just she is so ripped and as soon as you see her with that that sleeveless outfit that she has in the game I think I when I played that part, I think I said every seven and a half minutes, this chick is jacked. <laughs> and I love Abby. She's so badass. She's amazing. Uh, so I hope that they they find someone who's who's as ripped as that uh, and portray that because it's I think it's important for a female mm-hmm. character to also be big and bulky. Yeah, yeah. yeah I instead agree. of always being slender. You look at video game characters like Laura Croft and mm-hmm. uh, all the others. They always slim and 
not necessarily always have to be sexy, but they're always they're always slim and small and petite. I mean, Abby is just a bull of a woman. So I hope that she is portrayed like that because I think it's an important message it's important for representation. women as well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. important representation. That's the word. Thank you. I so I hope we see that as well. But that's what I want to see for season two. But I have high hopes. I, I will say that. Do you have someone in mind for Abby? In terms of physique, uh, I was thinking about this. I was going to use an example. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a wrestler. Her name is Rhea Ripley. They are, yes. She is like a Spartan woman. Mm -hmm. Like she is, she is just like, that is like, in terms of like built athletic physique, Rhea Ripley is exactly what like I think Abby would look like in real life. Erica, what do you expect from season two? I expect the pacing to be better and okay. not as quick because they, because the expectation now that there are multiple seasons is now the episodes are, they're probably going to be about the same amount of time, but I expect the story to be told longer. If that makes sense, the pacing is going to make more sense and not be so fast paced. This is an expectation that I want, but it's something I think is going to happen. Is they're going to change the way the story is told not in like the story itself, but in the order it's told. I kind of hope not, but I do kind of expect that to happen. I I don't know if this girl would work as the actress, but uh, she's in The Mandalorian. It's Katie O'Brien. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I yes. love it if she was Abby. Yep. I am in love with her. Like deeply in love with her. And I think she may be too old to play somebody that's in their 20s she even looks a bit like like she, abby yeah she kind of does she's Damn, got a that square jaw she's got the perfect physique and we've seen her do some amazing acting and i think she would be a fantastic at exuding that hatred and revenge mm -hmm. i think she'd be perfect i agree but i have a feeling that's they're gonna pick choice. somebody else but i think i would i would fan cast her yeah yeah that's a good choice yeah, great choice you need more infected. That's <laughs> what? That, that's I know it's a surprise coming what? from there me. There was so many. I I know. I'm, I'm I never expected so fully to say this. this I know. Mind blowing. I know. No ways. <sighs> oh my god. Next thing you're gonna say, you want more action as well? Jeez. Oh my god! How did you know? Oh my word. <laughs> <laughs> me? Nah. <laughs> Look, the same thing I said about season one is true here. It doesn't have to be action all the time with the infected. We just need to know that they are fucking around and you should be scared of them. And you should be scared of going out into the world like how they did in season one without any worry, basically. Walking through cities, walking through woods, walking through everything. That, that needs to go away. Two things they have to know. Love. It needs to be the same actor. Just Who? putting it out there. Love. Oh, yeah, it needs to be, be great. well was it the same well because for a lot of uh part two a lot of the mocap actors were not the same it's the same the, it was the same, it's the same yeah mm. it's the same well then and why it, not it needs and to be it the is same. a yeah there's a transgender actor and everything yeah so it needs to be so the same. I, that would that would be really cool. like the way they did merle dandridge as marlene exactly I think it would be great i don't know what liv's character's name is but i would love to see them um, uh, cast in the series, it would be really yeah. cool. Lev is played by Ian Alexander, so they, they and they need to bring back Yara Victoria Grace because same actor behind the voice and the motion capture and the face we see on our screen, 
So please bring them back. Uh, and the other thing is... Oh, that's right. It totally nailing, is the same person. It is. Nailing Abby, my choice. And I said this once, and I will say it again. Florence Pugh. Oh, Florence Pugh? Yeah. I can totally oh, playing see Abby. that working. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I, can, I can totally see that working. She, she would nail it. She would, and I, I believe she would get that buff for the role easily. I think so too. Even if she did, she's still a bit small. Oh, I she's think she could easily get jacked. Yeah, she could get muscular, sure, but I don't, I, I don't know. She would nail it though. I think she would be a great. Uh, did you she see would. fighting with oh. my family? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. The rest of the. But season. have okay. you seen Abby? <laughs> Lev was at the Last of Us premiere, by the way. So yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, levels up so, Last of Us premiere. That's, or that's what I want for season two. And they said I would love to reprise their role at the video uh, for season two. Many times, so yeah. It's yes. out there. Yeah. And if they don't go with Ian for Lev, Ian should be pretty Lev. Done. Ian was Ian was fantastic in uh, part two. So good. All right. Uh, so these are our expectations for season two. And this was our review of the whole series after binge watching it. Uh, and, you know, we're going to see you when season two comes out. That's for sure. But who knows? There might be some surprises in the bag. You never know. You never know. You never know. You the last time know. we said that, we pulled out Nolan North. So That's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, also. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Uh, I uh, for the close up of this episode before Erica does the promotion I want to hear what you wanted to tell me oh <clears throat> Lily was right Nick come on say it Lily was right Lily was right Lily was right Lily was right hate it when you're right Lily was right I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> just deal with it <laughs> <laughs> that's so good to hear again <laughs> at least she's time, modest about it I am <laughs> the humbleness exudes it doesn't mean I don't like the series it's true it, we it should put that mean. on a t-shirt and when we I do season 2 <laughs> we're gonna wear it do you wear that shirt every single episode yes but I'll you're gonna wear the shirt that says that Lily was right <laughs> We should get it tattooed. Lily was right. Lily was right. <laughs> on, your, on our foreheads. <laughs> All right. So you are watching this on Couch Soup. Shocker. Um, so since we are technically technically done with the show, um, there's a lot more things that are coming down the pipeline. Like there's a lot of shows on Twitch, things coming here, um, other shows that are in the works. So make sure you subscribe to Couch Soup for those details as soon as they come out and be involved in things that are going to possibly be exclusive to members only or come out early there and then hear all sorts of really fun things. It's a great community. We love it here and we love the opportunity to create these types of content for you. Um, so do or don't sign up. It's Drew approved. <laughs> Drew approved. And like I have to say that whenever I do that. Yeah, right. that's Just fair. Just to make sure everyone knows that's why we're doing it. Exactly. And possibly for the last time in a while, Endure and Survive. Endure and Survive. Endure and Survive.
Are you ready to go down the rabbit hole? The All Things Alice podcast will explore the cultural phenomena of Alice in Wonderland. Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy, is your host through a wonderverse of interviews from all types of creators as they chronicle the dark yet empowering reality of Lewis Carroll's fantasies and answer the question, what is it about Alice that captivates us still today? The All Things Alice podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts.